pretty lonely place, but it doesn't have to be. Here at the Rarely Right Podcast, we want to celebrate stories, authenticity, and discuss life. My name is Ray Schneider, and I'm a counselor who's been partnering with nonprofits for the last eight years to help individuals in high-risk environments get the mental help that they need. And maybe even more importantly than that, be a willing set of ears to listen to their story, to hear both the good, but also the bad, and to encourage them to pick up the pen and be their own narrator, that at any time they can flip the script in their story. And that's what I'm encouraging everyone here to do as well. Your story matters. And no matter where you find yourself in life, you always have the ability to change the narrative. Welcome. So while I'm recording this, it's the week of the 4th of July. If you're like me, maybe you made it the weekend. I took Thursday and Friday off um, after the 4th this week and just really excited to get to have you know that time and that space. Um, I know that when we think about the 4th of July, as we should, uh, we begin to think about patriotic activities, you know, the stars and the stripes and celebrating that. And I think this year, more than ever, it has caused some intense conflict when it comes to being patriotic, um, to watch our government participate in separating families, to purposefully cause angst, um, to be manipulative um, and create, you know, a split of just anguish across our country. It makes it very difficult to want to celebrate that, to be excited about raising um, a flag that represents that. But I think that we should feel compelled to fight for the country we want and we know that we can be versus completely dismissing and ignoring the country we are. I think more than ever, we need you and your voice. Uh, We need you to stand up. We need you to speak. Uh, Your opinions matter and they matter quite a bit. And I think too many of us sat on the sidelines last year and I know that there were a whole spew of other things that we couldn't control but the thing we could control is our participation and I can I, I believe that our participation now is just as vital and just as important and so if you do struggle you know with being patriotic I'm not saying that everyone you know has to has to dress up and do that but I, I think we should continue to be empowered to celebrate um, you know who we can be just just a little spew on that. I'm not going to talk about the 4th of July today. I'm not um I'm not really that that person, but I I did think about independence or independent, whichever way you want to to talk about that word or whatever tense. Uh, because of course it was the 4th of July and and I thought to myself, I I don't really know if I know what the actual definition of that is. I know that, you know, sticking with the holiday the United States became independent of Britain and I know that when you're an adult you finally become independent of your parents but what's the actual definition and so I'm weird and I of course then had to look it up and it said not influenced or controlled by others in matters of opinion or conduct and if you didn't hear me I think you really should hear that not influenced or controlled 
by others in a matter of opinion or conduct. That is such a powerful, powerful definition. And I marinated on that um, for the entire morning after I after I looked it up because, wow, shouldn't every single one of us be focusing and hoping for our own independence? We don't talk about it enough. You know, I've, I've spoken about, you know, wounds and, and things like that, but we don't talk about our environments that we grew up in, our headspaces that we grew up in, and the wounds we carry enough to actually have a real conversation and celebration of when we're able to get outside the box that we've been placed inside. Let me give you an example. So so my box is I grew up in a small Midwest town, and there's a lot of reasons why I'm super lucky. Okay. I went through kindergarten um, to senior year of high school um, in the same community. That meant that for the most part, my entire life, I had the same group of friends. And, And in fact, because our town was so small, I was friends with most of the people in my graduating class. And we really didn't have an influx of difference. You know, in middle school, we did add some people in and I'll, you know, out of the blue, people would move. It felt like out of the blue because we were young, right? But people would, you know, one or two people moved away. But the core of us remained the same. And because, again, because we were a small town, you know, sporting events became a big deal. And I was an athlete. So that was really exciting that the community was always there. I wasn't a football player, but I was at every football game, right? And But I was a basketball player and, and the community would show up for those games. There was a big deal about it. Um, you know, I was really lucky to know all of my neighbors growing up. In fact, became very good friends with most of them. Um, and And my life is better because of some of the lessons I learned from some of them. So there's a lot of really gorgeous, beautiful things that happen when you grow up in a small town. And that tends to be the story we talk about. But the story we don't talk about when you grow up in a really small town is your friends don't change, which means that the opinions you begin to create in middle school, which are limited at best, right, really do not get stretched in any way through middle school into high school, right? It's the same friends, same community, same influence of that town. There's really not resources, especially at the time that I was growing up when, you know, Google it was not a term used yet. Um, You know, there really wasn't a lot of influence into that world. And so what was preached on Sunday and what was kind of woven into the curriculum, regardless of the fact that it was a quote unquote public school, was really what influenced your worldviews. And that can be detrimental because the bullying then becomes very personal because everyone knows everyone right? You could show me the pictures of my entire graduating class and I would be able to tell you their first, to this day, I bet you I could do this, their first name and last name. I could even tell you what sports they were involved in or what activities they did. And I I venture a guess that most of the people, if not all the people I graduated with could do the same about me. 
And that means that picking on each other could become very personal. And that also means that when, when and if you began to realize that there might have been something different about the built-in norm that you were supposed to be boxed inside, it was dangerous. And the message that I grew up with, which is good and bad, was that I was a small-town Midwest girl who was supposed to look cute and be good at sports and at least be average in school and everyone needs to be happy with her. She's the girl who everyone's nice. She's nice to everyone. Everyone knows her. She always puts herself first. She's the good girl. She's the Christian girl. And that was my box. And so everything I did that might, everything I did or thought about that might stretch outside that box, I was terrified of. And so when I was in middle school, And I began to realize that I was the only one who wasn't boy crazy. My inclination was not to dig into that and go, wow, what what is this? What is this unique thing about me that I need to, to figure out? My immediate reaction to that understanding was to fake it. Okay, if I... I'm not feeling this way. I'm broken. And so what I need to do is I need to mirror my sisters and my friends and act like they're acting and I will blend in. And here's the thing about young people. They are so freaking good at pretend. The messaging I got was this is who I needed to be. And it was so ingrained in me that I never questioned thinking about being outside of that. And it was super detrimental because I would go through three major waves of depression and identity crisis. And it wasn't until halfway through the second one that I was even willing to question that thing that I had shoved back down, which was I'm not really attracted to men. They're really cool. I don't like it when people assume that women who are gay don't like men. I have some amazing men in my life, both my family and outside of my family, and I consider to be some of the best people I have ever met. I wish I had more men in my life that I felt that way around, but that has nothing to do with sexual attraction. That's the thing is I loved dating in college and and in, you know even when i was trying a little bit in adulthood i loved dating men because they were the best friends you could do sports with them you could talk sports you could high five you could hang out it was when you got to like that third to fourth date when they wanted to be more intimate rightfully so that i got stuck so that's the box i started with and over time i built a really compelling story around that box. I dressed more girly than I ever felt comfortable. I forced myself into dresses. I never felt beautiful or feminine. I always felt really awkward. I felt like everyone had to like me, so I had to pretend that I liked who I was becoming. It was messy and complicated. I didn't gain my own mental independence of the original box that I was shown until I was in adulthood. Now it should have been college, but even then, even when I discovered that this box could open and there was a whole different world for me, when I did had relations with a woman in adulthood, um, 
I still tried to get back in the box. It was almost like Pandora's box. It was almost like when I discovered there was another version that I could be and I let it out a little and it started exploding. I freaked out and I shoved everything back in. Like when a child is trying to clean up fast and they don't organize their toy chest, they just dump everything in and they sit on top of it and they pray to God mom doesn't realize that it's about to implode. That was what happened when I realized how easy it was to fall for a woman when you allowed yourself. I sat back on that box and I just shut up. But I think that we need to be thinking about the power of opening the box, right? And that's where the independence comment is coming from. When you're able to be completely separated from the power of another person's opinion in a way that you could feel empowered to seek your own life and your own truth. That's insane. And I was wondering... Why don't we ever celebrate that independence? The one when you are able to not only open that box and let all of the things that you're feeling, all the things that you are, not only come out, but implode in your life, roll over into your relationships, soak up in your interactions, so much so that the box empties out and you're able to take that box and flip it over and stand on top of it and shout to the world, this is who I am. Why aren't we celebrating that part of our story? Because right now today, I don't wear dresses. The last dress that I wore was my wedding. I had a vision in my head that no one else put there that I wanted to wear one, but that's the last time I wore one. I cut my hair off. I prefer sports bras over regular bras. And you know why I'm telling you this? Because I have never felt more feminine in my life. I'm not trying to hide being a woman, I love being a woman. I'm trying to be the woman I want to be. But this isn't just about the LGBTQ community or just about my personal story. It's about all of our stories. When we cannot relinquish the opinion, the idea, or the image that someone else implanted in us and said, that's who you have to be. Because whether we like it or not, from a young age, we are told who we're supposed to be and we accept it. Now, I've had massive debates with friends about this, especially some guy friends, where we'll talk about that and they're like, no, nah, my dad never said that I had to be, you know, super tough. And, and he never said I had to play sports and he never said I needed to do this. I just, I just instinctively did them. And I dug into that and I was like, one, I never want to, I never want to put a negative light on dads. Um, dads are one of the most powerful relationships you can have. Um, especially as, as a man. But, but what I do want to say is I think we need to be thoughtful enough and brave enough to take a step back. And so one of my friends, I asked him if it was okay if I asked him some questions around that. And he's a really good guy. And, and he was like, yeah, of course. And I said, 
what 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 activities did you do the most with your dad when you were young? Oh, uh, well, we played football all the time. And we watched football all the time. And I started football when I was three, doing touch football. And then we went to football camps. And one and and it just went on. And I said, okay. And, you know, how, what did your dad teach you as far as, like, you know, how to, how to treat a woman or how to be in a relationship? Because um, this is a straight friend, so I felt comfortable saying treat a woman. And, um, you know, he said, you know, from a young age, my dad would never let my mom get out of the car without opening the door. Um, even though they both had the same bank account, my mom was never allowed to pay with her credit card. It had to be my dad. Um, my dad had to make all the financial decisions. And and we went into that. And what was really interesting is when we got to the other side of it, he said to me, so he was like, so the message isn't always direct. Is it? And I said, you're completely right. It's the indirect messaging, right? Growing up, my father never said to me, you're nasty, when he realized I was gay before they ever talked about it with me. But he would constantly belittle gay men and gay women, talk about how gross and disgusting they were. He would talk about uh, this couple at my, my stepmom's school who were a gay couple trying to raise a child and how gross it was. They were less than. And he made that messaging clear. And I internalized it. I could never come out to my dad. I could never be gay. So I would figure that out. I would find someone who could help me get the gay away. And there are still moments where I realize shame comes up and I have to cleanse it. But I know that my story and my friend's story is like your story. There's messaging that you're carrying around inside you that you don't have to. If someone told you that you have to be a certain way and every single day you force yourself into it, I want to ask you to take pause. Why are you holding so much inside that box? We want your story, not somebody else's. We don't want the narrative that someone wrote for you. You don't deserve to walk in life playing the notes that someone pre-recorded. You don't have to karaoke. You can write your own lyrics and they can be just yours. Sometimes what, what's vision cast for us is not the best for us. You are you. And the only person who can figure out what that is, is you. Coolest thing that I've ever heard in my life was a 50-year-old woman decided, I no longer want to be just this. And she went back to school, got her MBA, and now she's an art director at a gallery. Never was in art her whole life, but went and changed it because that's who she wants to be. So sometimes it's personal, it's deep, it's scars. And sometimes it's just physically going, I'm not where I want to be and I can change. You are never too young or too old to change, to do something new, 
to open the, the box up and to flip that box over and to create your own messaging. When we are bound up by what people think of us, we never are able to live a full life. Parents, young parents, parents who are, you know, within my age, in your 20s and your 30s, raising a kid, the amount of pressure that you are under because of other parents is outrageous to me. I cannot wrap my mind around everything that you're under pressure for, that you have to have homemade cookies instead of bought cookies, that you have to have gourmet meals, that you have to have a gluten-free, peanut-free, taste-free cookie for every single human being out there, and God forbid that you don't. I cannot imagine the pressure that you're under and the everyday questioning, am I doing the best for my child? And basing it off of what everyone else is doing around you. Could you imagine how powerful it would be if we just stopped caring what every other parent out there is doing? I'm not a parent, so my advice can only go so far. But I have to venture to guess that if you're staying up at night worrying if you're doing the best for your kid and you spend every day making sure that that child is loved and cared for and challenged in a way that makes sure that they're growing, then that kid has got it made. You are doing an incredible job and you're doing the best job that you can do. I think we need to give parents a break and we need to give us as parents a break. I hope you hear that. You don't have to be whatever parent you had in your mind or who your mom was or who your mom thinks you should be or who Nancy next door is. Be you. Your child is loved and cared for and wanted. That's all you've ever wanted for them, right? Don't stress the rest of it. And to all of us who are still worried about what people are going to think of us, We have to begin to let it go. We have to begin to have our own independence from the world around us because that's how we as humans mature. If someone looked you in the eye and said, I'm your friend and I love you, and in the same breath said, but you have to get over the hurt that you're going through and you carried that with you, I'm here to tell you that that person was not a good enough friend. They were trying to script your story and who you are. If you came to a friend or a family member and you said, you know how you thought I was this way and I'm actually that way and that friend or that family member said, no, I need you this way, then they are not doing a good enough job in your life. You see, because the people who are actually here for you, who are sold out for you to live the best version of your story, they're not going to interject their needs from your story. They're going to say, tell me why. 
They're going to want to listen to the reasoning in which you need to make that change or you're going through that hurt or you're hoping for that success. And then when they hear that explanation, they're going to celebrate or mourn alongside you. See, our job is to fulfill our own story and then empower others to, in, to fulfill their story as well. See, when we begin to understand the need for our own independence, we can also free others to go out and live their independence as well. And that's when we become free thinkers. And that's when we actually establish free speech. See how I tied that into Independence Day? I kind of liked it. Maybe I'm a nerd. But here's what I'm telling you today. And I hope that you can hear day in and day out. Write it on a post-it and put it on your bathroom mirror or in your car or on your notebook. But hear this when I say, you deserve to live a full life. And sometimes that means making really hard decisions to dismiss an opinion of you that you've been carrying around your whole life, a label that was never yours to wear. And sometimes that means having to walk away from relationships that are toxic because they are demanding you to be something you're not. Or they are not allowing you to be something you are. Independence is not something easy. It's something fought for. And sometimes you fight it on home turf. And sometimes you fight it in strange places you've never been before. But the fight is worth it. Begin to continue a story that matters to you. To script the ending that you deserve. Do not let life pass you by while you write a story that's not even yours. Or worse yet, let someone else write it for you. Your independence, your separation from the opinions and the needs and the necessity and demands of others is so radically necessary. When we stretch outside the confines of others' approval of us and we live our own truth, that's powerful. May you find a place, a day, a time to celebrate your own independence and may you live a life where you are constantly seeking to find what that definition is. (laughs) 